You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hi everybody and welcome back to Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. With me, your festive host, Katie Charlwood, slutty sleuth and reader of books. Where where did that come from? Why? You know, sometimes I have no idea what I'm going to call myself when I start, you know, recording. But it's because I went through crime today and it's like, sleuth, let's use alliteration. And because I used the history harlot, I was like, let's be slutty sleuth. That's where my brain went. That was the choice that happened in that split second. You know, I really worry myself sometimes. Like... What is that? That's not good. Yeah, uh, sorry if my voice sounds weird. It still hasn't healed properly after uh, whatever tomfuckery is going on with my throat. But apparently it's not typical to lose your voice um, eight times in a year. So I'm going to have to go get that checked out, which is uh, not entirely pleasant. But fuck it, you know, we got to make sure we're working as appropriately as possible, especially considering that, you know, I'm an absolute disaster. And uh, so it's currently Boxing Day, so it's December 26th. Uh, You may also know it as St. Stephen's Day, the Feast of Stephen. Uh, And it's uh, so I am sitting in my room all alone, uh, deciding to talk about this notorious case. Uh, I wasn't gonna, and then I was, and then I wasn't, because, uh, well, what happened was, is I made myself cry, I struggled to go through notes, even though I know this case off by heart. I struggled with like a huge, huge part of it. It it wasn't good, Um, but it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Because today is the 25th anniversary of the discovery of the body of Jean-Benet Ramsey. You know how people go like, if you could go back in time and like solve any murder, which would it be? Like if you could just have that like crystal ball information. And most people go like, you know, I want to know who the Zodiac killer is or I want to go back and find out who Jack the Ripper was. And frankly, I don't give a fuck about those two because <sighs> chances are those people are not alive anymore. Well, I mean, let's face it, whoever the Ripper was, where? They ain't alive now. Like, mm. and I, you know, I have a strange feeling that whoever the Zodiac killer was is either dead or just not compus mentis, to be honest. But I, I want to know who hurt Jean Benet. I mean, if I had like, like the actual travelling back in time magic, I would like to go back and stop whoever it was hurting Jean Benet. 
So this case is like notorious. It's like because it's a cold case, because of all, everything surrounding it, and because there, it's just a clusterfuck of incompetence and and there's so much to it that just doesn't fucking add up. There's like a collection of theories, right? And one thing makes sense, but then due to a, like a bunch of other factors, it doesn't fucking make any sense. And then you've got like other theories which hold up to a point, and then like this one fucking thing just throws it out there. There are so many weird, weird parts of this which just don't fucking add up. And that's where a lot of the suspicion comes from. And then, of course, we have the trial by media. Because the media, they latched on to the fact that Jean Benet was this pageant queen. Like, she was a child beauty pageant queen. And, you know, Patsy was a pageant mum. So, like, it just becomes this whole other thing and it just takes on a life of its own but yeah before I go on I should probably add a content slash trigger warning because I am discussing the murder of a six-year-old child and that can be traumatizing for a lot of people because it's like I'm going to touch on it I'm not going to go into graphic detail I'm going to try and be as clinical and basic as possible because I sobbed reading the autopsy report, you know what I mean? And then the second autopsy and the discussions of pathologists and so on and so forth. So I don't want to put you all through that. But if you think this will trigger you in any way, I'm going to suggest you just... Ready? Okay. And it's time to quit my jabber jabber and just fact you. In fact, you, I will. So our sources are... Jean Benet, Inside the Ramsey Murder Investigation by Donald A. Davis and Steve Thomas. Who Killed Jean Benet Ramsey by Cyril Wecht. Unsolved, The Jean Benet Ramsey Murder 25 Years Later by Paula Woodward. The Cases That Haunt Us by Johnny Douglas and Mark Olshaker. I think there was an episode of Cold Case Files. A bunch of documentaries. I have been inhaling this probably for the majority of my life because I'm only... I'm only a couple of years older than Jean Benet, or I, I would be. Um, so, like, this case made international news. I've also listened to podcasts which cover this, everything from uh, My Favourite Murder to, uh, I think, I think Paul Holes covered it once, actually. If I'm not, I could be wrong, but I think he did. So, Jean Benet Patricia Ramsey was born on the 6th of August, 1990. So, I'm, like, three years older than her-ish. So her dad is John Bennett Ramsey. Uh, he's high up in some computer software firm. And, you know, and he's married to Patricia Ramsey, who is his second wife. Uh, and she's a stay-at-home mum. So, yes, uh, I know what you're thinking. Did they just take John Bennett and Patricia? Did they take all their first names and just smush them all together to make her name? Yes, they did. Listen, as someone who is from a long line of Catherines, let me tell you, there is a million ways to mush up a name. It's just a thing people do. She's got an older brother called Burke. So she is the youngest of all the Ramsey. So Jean Benet actually has three older half-siblings. There's John Ramsey, Melissa Ramsey and Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth actually dies in a car crash because, you know, one tragedy isn't enough for a lifetime. Uh, Elizabeth, her older half-sister, dies in a just a tragic car accident at 22 years old and I think that was 1991 or 1992 there or thereabouts uh and they're in I think they live in Atlanta Georgia um where John Benet was born but the Ramseys then moved to Boulder Colorado I assume for John Ramsey's work 
Now, the Ramses are a well-off family. Like, they have money. They are the kind of people that would probably refer to themselves as comfortable. But that's what it is. So Jean Benet, she, as I said before, is a child pageant queen. She's an actual pageant queen. She won titles. So she had won um, America's Royal Miss, Little Miss Charlevoix, Little Miss Colorado, Colorado State All Kids Cover Girl, and National Tiny Miss Beauty. This particular part of Jean Benet's life becomes like this very, it becomes a hook. It's something that the media really dig their claws into and just runs with it. How'd I put this? So a lot of times when you see the photos of Jean Benet, it's the pageant photos they use. And that's why, as someone who fucking has grown up with this case and knows it inside out, and I was like chatting about it to a friend because I was discussing that I was going to be you know, talking about this. And I genuinely forgot how old Jean Benet was. I'm like, she was nine or ten because I just kept thinking of the, the photos, you know, because they make her look older because she's got the big hair and the full face of makeup. But she was a six year old child and it is so easy to forget that. So I was actually looking at the photos of her last Christmas where she got her bike and she's goofing around and she does this like pose that just my kid does the exact same pose like she's like ta-da I'm here and she's just a kid she's a six-year-old little girl in her pajamas on Christmas and she is so excited that she got a bike that she probably never even got a chance to ride fuck I'm crying again what okay Hold it to fucking together, Katie. <clears throat> so, Christmas Day, December 25th, 1996, Jean Benet gets her bike. And later on that day, they head out to a Christmas party hosted by, I think, Fleet White. I think it was the White's Christmas party. The whole Ramsey crew are there. Bark, Jean Benet, John and Patsy. And there's like a bunch of other families there. There's a bunch of other kids. There's a Santa Claus at it. You know, they're having a great time. Are Christmas Day parties like a regular thing? Or is that, or is it just like a rich people thing? Because over, over here where I am in Ireland, Christmas Day is very much you spend time with family. And then it's like before and after that is when you do the whole friends thing. But like, is that an American thing? If someone wants to just like inform me of that? Like, is it a cultural thing or is it just like a rich person thing? Anyway, so they go to the party. They come back from the party and they all get ready to go to bed. Now, so apparently Patsy puts a turtleneck on her, a red turtleneck, um, which, mm, so Patsy braids Jean Benet's hair into two pigtails, because um, as far as I could tell, she has a natural curl in her hair, so like braiding it at night just stops it from like knotting as she sleeps, because, you know, kids that age can't control their body temperature, so it usually means that they're sweating. And it just can really mat up the hair at the back, especially if you've got natural curls in it. So her hair is braided when she puts on the turtleneck, but the turtleneck comes off. Probably because it's really fucking uncomfortable to sleep in a turtleneck. I think because they were supposed to be flying out the next morning for a trip. And let's face it, they probably had a tipple or two at this Christmas party. So Jean Benet, she gets changed into a white top with a sequin star on it. A pair of long johns and her underwear. John and Patsy, they put the kids to bed. And so at some point that night, Jean Benet eats some pineapple. We don't know when exactly. 
it's the parents don't remember her eating pineapple or like giving her pineapple which is like her favorite food like they don't remember doing that but she ate it so the next morning at like half five patsy gets up because she has to get ready for you know the trip and you know she can't do anything without without her uh happy bean go go juice so she goes downstairs to make a coffee and she gets to this um there's like a back stairs that lead to her kitchen because it's a fucking mansion and what does she come across but a two and a half page handwritten ransom note which is gonna be like a point of confusion for this whole thing so there's a ransom note and it says that Jean Benet has been taken and they have to pay a small foreign faction $118,000 in order to retrieve their child safely. Don't call friends, don't call the police, don't do anything. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. But Patsy says, fuck this for a game of soldiers. She calls the police at 5.52am and then she calls friends and family to basically help look for Jean Benet. So at 5.55am, three minutes later, two officers show up. Now, it is Boxing Day. It is the day after Christmas. You know, it's the 26th of December. No well-established cop is going to be running around on that day. It's two officers who who had never dealt with anything like this before. And they come to the house. And, you know, they do an initial search. So basically, they're looking around and they're trying to find a entry point and an exit point. As it turns out, there's a couple of them. So Rick French, one of the officers, he's doing the search of the house. He goes downstairs into the basement. Now, in the basement, there's like an extra room and it's got a wee wooden latch on it. It's locked. And this is where the Ramses would actually keep their Christmas presents, like for the kids. And they, they sometimes called it the wine room. Um, but Rick French, Officer Rick French, he's looking for an escape route, you know, but he doesn't see anything. Like the basement's kind of like, it's kind of like it's stuff in it, it's kind of a mess, but there is a broken window, but the glass is broken from the inside. So we have that. And this was apparently done a while back, like apparently John got stuck in the basement and had to break out of it, um, but didn't think to get it repaired in Colorado in winter, but whatever. Uh, there was a couple of windows that were left sort of slightly ajar because they had Christmas lights coming out of them. And there was also an unlocked door because apparently, who the fuck doesn't lock their door? I lock four doors at night. So both of my outside doors and both of my inside doors because we have like these little sort of, I don't know, entranceways, hallways. It's I think it's more of a heat thing because Ireland's cold as fuck. I mean, it's not as cold as like Colorado, but still, if anyone's breaking into my house, I'm going to hear them come in and I'm going to be there with my cricket bat. Why a cricket bat? Why not a baseball bat? Well, if you got hit with one, you'd know. Or maybe you wouldn't because you'd be knocked out. But the point is, giving away all my secrets here. So anyway, Officer Rick French, he's like, all right, okay. Doesn't open this wee door in the cellar. Gets upstairs, has another trot around. By 8am, Detective Arndt shows up. And they're basically waiting for the kidnappers to call. So they're trying to get the money together. And and John Ramsey's like, this is weird because this amount of money is the exact same amount that I got my Christmas bonus last year. Like he points that out to police. Friends of the family also show up. So between like 6am and 8am, 
Fleet White shows up, the guy whose party they were at on Christmas. The family minister shows up, a couple other friends and family show up. And they're like walking around the house. I like the put because it's a, they think it's a kidnapping, Jean Benet's room is cordoned off for like evidence, but nowhere else. There are people in the kitchen, they're moving stuff, they're cleaning things, you know, probably thinking they're helping, but they're just fucking shit up. So by 1pm, right, in the afternoon, there's still no call from the kidnappers. So Detective Arndt's like, okay, Mr. White, Mr. Ramsey, I want you to do a top to bottom search of the house to see if anything's like a mess, if anything's weird, because you'd know your house better than anybody. So um, they actually go bottom to top. They start from the basement and they're going to work upwards. So they go to the basement. Uh, they just decide to look in the little Christmas present wine room. And as John Ramsey opens the door, there on the floor in front of him is the lifeless body of his six-year-old daughter. There's duct tape on her mouth a cord around her neck and a white blanket covering her like torso and chest. So he picks her up and runs upstairs screaming, brings her upstairs into the sitting room, puts her down, pulls the duct tape off her mouth, tries to undo the cord on her neck. And and it's the most irrational and crazy thing to do. Like you're damaging so much evidence. The moment he laid his hands on her, he destroyed so much evidence and because he left the basement door open all that's compromised too and then patsy upon seeing also when she sees her throws herself onto jean benet's body and sobs uncontrollably now these are not rational reactions these are not logical reactions but like the evidence gets disturbed even further because at some point detective Arndt has jean benet's body moved closer to the christmas tree for, I don't know, fucking reasons. Again, these are not logical responses. They're not rational responses because the death of a child does not promote a rational response. Here's the thing. Like, I've always been suspicious of the Ramses because a bunch of stuff doesn't fucking add up. But their responses, I can completely understand. Because I'm, like, well into true crime if, if something happened to, like, fuck a member of my family your first response is to try and save them. So, so like, I understand the, you know, taking the duct tape off and trying to loosen the cord because your brain is like, I have to save them, I have to save them. But it just depends on whether or not he was fully aware that she was dead at the time. And if he knew she was dead, this is acting. And if he didn't know, well, then you're a parent who has to deal with a horrific sight, you know? So... So now it's officially a murder investigation. So at some point during the day as well, Burke gets taken away. He goes to stay, I think, with the Whites because obviously, you know, a nine-year-old kicking about when you're, you know, when you're waiting on a call from kidnappers and stuff ain't, ain't too good. So John Bonet, her body gets taken to the autopsy. So now it becomes a murder investigation. So the Ramses, they willingly submit blood, hair, handwriting samples. They all go in. And now we're going to get... Fuck, I hate this bit. Okay. <clears throat> so, now we're going to talk about what happened to Jean Benet. What we know happened to Jean Benet. Okay, fuck. Okay. This is the part where I usually cry. This is the tough part. Okay. So, Jean Benet's cause of death was asphyxiation in collaboration with a cerebral fracture. Which basically means, at the age of six years old, Jean Benet Ramsey 
was strangled to death and hit in the head so hard that she had an eight and a half inch skull fracture. She had undigested pineapple in her stomach. She was found wearing her white star gap top, her long johns and white underwear that had urine and red stains. There was a vaginal injury. Um, They believe she was digitally penetrated and it appears that this was not the first time an incident like that had happened. There was a cord wrapped around her neck. It was a garrote made from a cord and a broken paintbrush from Patsy's art supplies. It was like the middle part of the brush. So the tip of the brush was missing and the bristles were missing. The bristles they found in Patsy's art supplies, but the top of the brush they never found. The end of the handle. The cord was used to garrote her and basically choke her after she had been hit in the head. So here's what we know, even though it's not an entire timeline. Jean-Benet Ramsey had signs of molestation that had been occurring over a period of time. She also had been molested that evening. She had been digitally penetrated and as such had a vaginal injury. There was no semen found in her body, but it did appear that her vagin- that her vaginal area had been wiped with a cloth. She had wet herself. There was urine on the front of her pyjamas, uh, was on her underwear and through her long johns. So let me break this down. She had been struck on the head. She had a severe blow to the head. She had wet herself and she had been molested. And after all of this had happened, someone wrapped a cord around her neck and strangled her using items found in the Ramsey house. That is what happened to that poor six-year-old girl. On the 27th of December, the Ramseys, they get the fuck out of Dodge. They fly out and they head back to Atlanta, which, you know, kind of understandable because, you know, because why would you want to stay in a house where your child was tortured and murdered? So they fly out and it basically becomes, and they talk about how they're too emotional to talk to the police. So December 31st, 1996. So the family, they fly back out to Atlanta and... On the 31st of December, Jean-Benet Ramsey is laid to rest. Um, She's interred next to her sister, Elizabeth, who had died in the car crash. The Ramseys had said that they were too upset to give, you know, statements to police and to discuss it further. But but on the 1st of January 1997, John and Patsy Ramsey have a 45-minute interview on CNN. So basically, anytime you see Patsy from this point, she looks like she's on drugs, like she's hopped up on something, which again, one could argue that that's perfectly reasonable for someone whose child was tortured and murdered. So naturally, the fact that the Ramses were willing to talk to the press and not law enforcement really puts the cops hackles up and they end up flying out to Atlanta And on like the 2nd of January, so like the day after they do this fucking interview with CNN, they fly out there because they're like, fuck this for a game of soldiers. Like, what are you doing? Now, the Ramses say that they felt they were like being attacked and pressured by police, you know, um, because they felt they were being treated like suspects. And frankly, first of all, as you should, we know statistically and, you know, in fairness, and in fairness, the cops know this better than anyone else. The thing is, we know statistically that when someone is assaulted or murdered or attacked, 
Like the majority of the time, it is by someone in their close circle, friends, family. It is by someone they know. Like the majority of the time, that is how that happens. Regardless, the Ramses would need to be eliminated as suspects. You have to do that. You have to rule them out. And here's the thing. Like, once it was clear it was a murder, the Ramses, they all submitted DNA samples, blood, hair, handwriting samples. They did that. They handed it in. They did it willingly. And here's the thing. This is a rich, white family. They're well-to-do. So, like, they are exactly the kind of people that the cops would be cooperating with. Like, they don't automatically chastise them. This would be a very different story if this was a low-income family or even a rich POC family, you know, especially in the mid-90s, like, Jesus. But after lots of tit-for-tat and back-and-forth and all this stuff, the Ramses they eventually get interviewed by the police. And these are long-ass fucking grueling interviews. John is interviewed for, like, two hours, two and a half hours, and Patsy is interviewed for over six hours. I mean, which means they were really gunning for Patsy. Um, Part of the reason is because of the whole handwriting situation. And like in this ridiculously long interview, Patsy's recollection, her statement changes. And that's taken as the official statement of like what happened. And not to be pro-Patsy or anything, but the statement is inconclusive. First of all, like memory is just fucking weird. I think a lot of it might be to do with the fact I'm convinced, I'm absolutely convinced that Patsy was on probably every pill. I just kind of assume that she's on Valium and shit because she was in remission at this point from ovarian cancer, which is probably why they never had any more kids, in fairness. But the media, when it comes to Patsy though, the media really latched on to the fact that she was the pageant mum and that she had this sort of rage and as such. But you know what? I think it's time to talk about the ransom note. Right, so the ransom note is just fucking weird. The police and the Ramses, they have both stated that whoever wrote the ransom note has to be the killer. Like, they believe that whoever killed John Bonet is the person who wrote the ransom note. And it's the, it's the main thing in this whole scenario which just doesn't make sense. It's just fucking weird because, like, when teaching that criminology and things like that, it's actually used as how to spot something that's fake. Like, it's used for statement analysis. It's used for teaching people about misdirection and things like that. It's And it's also shown as, like, this is how not to do things. Because, you know, I'm just going to read it for you. Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully! Exclamation point. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want to see her in 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account, $100,000 will be in $100 bills, and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attaché to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we may call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence a earlier pickup of your daughter. Uh, it actually says delivery there, delivery, but it's um, scrolled out. 
Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you not to provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices and if any are found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned, we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John! And then it's signed with victory and the initials SBTC. Right, okay, so let's break this down a wee bit, will we? So the fact of the matter that is, is like, if this is a genuine note, because if the ransom note is legitimate, then it's a kidnapping gone bad. And it also excludes the Ramses as suspects, because why would they demand money from themselves? Because that just doesn't make any sense. But if, and if the note is like fake, then we know that this is a murder staged to look like a kidnapping. And that basically opens up the doors to any, it could be any fucking person. And again, remember, this is a two and a half page handwritten ransom note. But because of the language used, like there's a lot of um, grammar and incorrect sort of statements, it's very wordy. And like, it's a complete juxtaposition. Like the language used is a complete juxtaposition. It's so contradictory because... Not only is it grammatically incorrect in places like it says ah, where it should say an, and words like business and possession are, are misspelled, but it uses words like hence, attache, and deviation. Like, if you can spell deviation and attache correctly, it's like whoever was writing this note was trying to make it look like the writer was was either uneducated or foreign. So like English was not a first language. They're trying to make it seem like that, but... It doesn't add up. So we also see that it refers to itself as a small foreign faction. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you make yourself seem small if you're trying to be intimidating? Like, it's like, oh, we're small, so you can't figure out who we are. That's okay. That's not exactly what you want to do. You want them to know who you are because you want them to be scared of you. 
Like you would say, we are the provisional IRA. You'd say, we are Islamic jihadists. You know, you would state who you are. Because you'll find that terrorist organizations generally want to claim something. Like they want to claim it. They want to add that to their roster, you know. But like the letter doesn't even have, like it's not written with a group mentality because it should always say like we, us, it should be a collective, a hive mind idea. But that's not the case. So like it says I instead of we and so whoever was writing it clearly fucked up in places. Not only that, but again, unnecessarily wordy because it's saying things like we have your daughter in our possession. It's like, why would you say that? Why wouldn't you just say we have your daughter? Like, why make this note so long? It should be succinct. You want to get to the point, especially if, you know, you're not that educated, especially if, especially if you're not proficient in English. You want to make it small because you don't want to seem foolish. You want to get your point across because you want to get, you know, to the end game. Why? They say that we respect your business, but not the country that it serves. That doesn't make sense. Why? Why would you feel the need to mention that? It's It doesn't even make sense. Like, you would just say, I don't respect your country. You wouldn't say you don't respect the business. Anyway, moving on, moving on. The next thing is the money. So $118,000 is exactly the amount that John Bennett received as a bonus the previous year. Now, John himself is the one who actually points this out to police. He's like, listen, this is strange. This is the exact same amount as my bonus. I don't know why anyone would know that. So it's weird enough that they they know exactly how much his bonus is. But so the whole thing about the collection of the money is weird because it tells you to go to the bank. Like, aren't banks generally closed like over the holidays? But, so, but, but like, it doesn't even say go to the bank. It says get the money from your account, which again, still means he has to go to the fucking bank, but whatever. It tells him to bring an attache case, which is why so specific? Very strange. Like, why be so specific about this? And also, like, the Ramses were well off. So 118,000 is a very small but very specific amount of money to ask for because they were offering 100 grand for like information regarding information that would lead to like the arrest of the killer like they had money they had summer homes that was his bonus if your bonus is 118,000 then you are definitely making a fucking massive chunk of change and as most movie lovers know there are quite a lot of quotes it's are references to like movies like Ransom and Dirty Harry within the note itself. It's very, it's very strange. And also there's this weird bit where it's like, if you do it, she dies. If you do that, she dies. That's really dramatic, but it doesn't really align with the two men who are watching your daughter don't quite like you. Well, all right. It's not exactly an aggressive statement, but then if you do this, she dies. If you do that, she dies. And like, there are so many like exclamation points throughout this. But when it says like, if you do this, she dies, you do that, she dies. Like there's no exclamation points there, which like really, that should be a focus. You know what I mean? And it's really weird because like at the very beginning of the note, it, it's like Mr. Ramsey. And then it turns to John. It's like, do it now, John, blah, 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 John. It really feels like they're just writing down movie quotes, you know? And it's like, they say John three fucking times. Like, whoever this is, 
it feels more personal at this point. Like it starts off very sort of formal. And if this was like some kind of hive collective foreign faction group, they would use Mr. Ramsey. They would continue to do that because they're they're not personally connected to the fucking man. They just want his money. And then it's ended with like SBTC, the but like it, it's an acronym for fucking nothing. Like it's it's nowhere. And we have to remember that when this ransom note was being written, there is a high likelihood that whoever was writing this note, when they were writing it, Jean Benet was already dead. And what makes it worse, like we know that this pad and... So the writing paper, the pad it came from and the pen that was used to write it were already in the Ramsey's house. Like if you were going to kidnap someone, would you not have the ransom note ready to go? Wouldn't you go like all old fashioned and stick it with like Elmer's glue and a bit of a cut out letters from a bunch of magazines? Why would you waste time writing it there instead of grabbing the girl, leaving the note and getting the fuck out of Dodge? But like, it gets worse and more incriminating because, like for the Ramses, because there is a draft of the note there as well. They find that in the house. Like, I think it's crumpled up in a trash can or something like that. And this is why, because it mentions so many things and it mentions fucking Southern Charm. Southern Charm. Why would a foreign faction know what the fuck Southern Charm is? What is that? They don't give a shit about your southern charm. And this is why, so like basically the Ramses had to get their handwriting, they had to give handwriting samples. And Burke and John, they automatically get, they're automatically excluded. They're fine, their handwriting doesn't match. But Patsy's is inconclusive. Like they couldn't say one way or the other whether it was, like initially. I think she was self-medicating. So the Ramses, they think that this is a kidnapping that ended up as a murder. So like, while somebody was writing the ransom note, John Benet is killed. But yeah, for me, it does look more like a murder that was staged to look like a kidnapping. And the ransom note just doesn't, just doesn't make sense. Is it there to buy time so that the killer can get away? Whom's to say? So a bunch of handwriting experts actually came on board after this and they ruled out for the most part that Patsy was the writer of the note. It basically becomes a 50-50, although handwriting analysis I find is, in general, a lot of bollocks. It's kind of like blood spatter. It's, it's, eh, eh. So, like, you basically have half the group going, yeah, the other half kind of going, no. You know, it, it's not really anything one way or the other. So let's talk about the basement evidence, because there's a bunch of stuff there, and we're going to have some additional DNA stuff that was found out, I think, later on. So in the basement, outside the room where Jean Benet was found, there was a urine stain on the floor. Inside the room, there was a bootprint next to where Jean Benet's body was. It's like a man's bootprint. It's pretty big and it didn't match anybody in the house or any shoes held by anybody in the house. There was the broken basement window that John Ramsey said he broke himself. And there was also a suitcase that was placed under the window. Now, the theory for the suitcase is either it was used to climb out or um, it was supposed to be a means of transporting either Jean Benet or Jean Benet's body, depending on how that was going to work. Because remember, she's like a wee six-year-old kid. You can fit her in like an average suitcase. And when she was found, she had a blanket covering her chest. And what you normally find is when a family member, especially a parent, if they are responsible for a child killing, especially something accidental, there's usually care taken with the body. They usually cover the face. This also happens when someone is ashamed of their actions. Like if someone can't deal with what they've done, they usually cover the face of their victim. You know, it's somewhere between affection and despair. Now, 
neither of this happened for Jean Benet. Just her torso was covered. I mean, perhaps the intention was to cover her face, but it didn't quite work out. It's not like they were trying to hide the body because she was laid out. If they were trying to like cover her up, they could have like bundled her into like a like a ball, like curled her up. But you know, because it would have taken away well for rigor mortis to set in. You know what I mean? Um, and she could have been covered with a blanket, which would be like the worst way of hiding anything. Because that is currently how my child hides. So like if this was a sort of Burke did it scenario, like to cover something up with a blanket is a very, very childish way to hide something, especially when you're not fully covering it. What throws a spanner in the works here as well is the fact that there's DNA found on the cord that was part of the garrote that was tied around Jean Benet's neck and her wrist. But that's not the only place they found an unknown male's DNA. They also found saliva mixed in with her blood in her underwear. And... Currently, um, there's actually some kind of good news with this is that so because of the advancement of technology, especially that regarding DNA, a few days ago, there was a statement of hope, really, that they would be able to find out who this DNA belonged to. And I know you're like, why would they announce that? I just find it a strange thing to announce, especially around about her anniversary, whether they're doing it to promote the case in order to get more funding in order to be able to like do these tests or if it's a promotional thing to try and get more people to like submit DNA to like 23andMe and stuff like that and Ancestry and you know all those sort of genealogy sites so they can do what they did a la the Golden State Killer. Or maybe it's just a way of saying fuck you to somebody because they might have already started the testing. Or could it be a way of trying to convince someone to come forward and admit to the crime because they're saying listen we're going to catch you anyway? I don't know. Maybe. Anyway. So, so because the DNA found on Jean Benet's body is all of an unidentified male, so this is why as well we have a couple of theories. You know, there's the, um, the Ramses did it, which is one theory. Another is an intruder did it. But then there's also a kind of in-between one as well, like someone they knew did it. So let's fucking break these down. One of the most popular theories for like fucking years was that Patsy did it. So the theory is that Jean Benet wakes up in the middle of the night, she's had another bedwetting episode, which apparently was quite frequent. And you know, kids wet the bed for like a fucking number of reasons. Like sometimes it's because they're sick or they're stressed or they've drunk too much juice before bedtime. It's too cold for them to get out of bed or they're really, really tired and they don't wake up. You know, they don't recognize the response. Of needing to pee. But sometimes, sometimes, frequent bedwetting can be a trauma response to abuse or molestation, especially continued abuse. There's that, putting that to the side there. So, and so she's, you know, she's getting her in the bathroom, she's forceful, and she accidentally slams Jean Benet's head against like the side of the bathtub. Freaking out and thinking, I've just killed her, she grabs, you know, her art supplies of all things, and makes a garrote and, you know, strangles her child. Uh, And then, in a panic, she writes a draft of a ransom note and then a two and a half page, really wordy, really complicated ransom note, which she then, quote unquote, discovers herself. Now, I have have a, a few issues with this particular scenario because it doesn't explain the internal injuries to Jean Benet. It doesn't explain the male DNA that was discovered in her clothes. Unless, of course, Patsy was allowing someone to do something to her daughter. I don't know. 
I don't know. And because she's a pageant mother, they really attacked Patsy. You know, and, and so some people say that, you know, she did this like she was, if nothing else, that she put her child in harm's way by, you know, sexualizing her by putting her into these like beauty pageants, which is, yeah, American pageants are, are wild to me and I think it's strange. I'm sorry, toddlers and tiaras terrifies me in general. Like I can't handle it because they use techniques that make them look like little women. They should just look like children. Just make them cute, cute children, you know, keep them, you know, childlike. And like, and her family and friends are saying like she would never put her child in harm's way. And then Patsy is just like either really defensive or just incredibly medicated. And when Burke is questioned on it, he just says like his mum just wasn't really an aggressive person, you know. The next theory is that John Ramsey did it, that he assaulted his daughter and, I don't know, something happened. She fights back for the first time. She gets injured. He kills her. Like, the detective on the scene was incredibly suspicious of John because when she told them to search the house from top to bottom, he went straight to the basement, which is an area of the house which wasn't really used too much. And he'd been told, like, if you... And he'd been told, like, if you find anything, just fucking leave it, don't touch it. But obviously, we know what he did. He takes the tape off, brings her up, does all that stuff. And so when the police arrive at the crime scene on the day, there's, like, no footprints in the snow and there's no... um signs of an intruder no signs of a break-in but as we know one of the doors was unlocked so like an intruder could have just walked it but anyway one thing that the detective found really suspicious about john is that like they're supposed to be there between 8 and 10 a.m and they're waiting for this call from the kidnappers but they don't tell the police like so they don't mention the deadline and they don't mention that the deadline has passed and then because and like and a lot of people find it really suspicious that John was like planning to fly them out the following day but they were supposed to be leaving for a trip that day anyway and they were told to get out of the house and they were like we're just going to go back to our old home but because of the DNA testing that happened in 2008 it exonerates both John and Patsy from an assault. Finally we have the intruder theory. So Jean Benet is taken down to the basement by person or persons unknown is bound gagged, sexually assaulted and killed. Her body is dumped in the spare basement room. The killer writes the ransom note and leaves. That is the basic unknown assailant theory. Then of course there is a someone the family knew which is a little bit more graphic so I'm going to suggest you skip forward like a minute and a half because uh, this isn't this is not going to be a pleasant discussion. Uh, it made me cry when I read it. Okay so so Jean Benet had been talking about getting another present from Santa. She was going to be getting something else. This could have been something to do with the trip that they were all about to take as a family, which is the reason why Patsy got up so early the next morning. So Jean Benet is lured downstairs by a man. So he takes her downstairs. He lures her to the basement area where the presents were normally kept. He duct tapes her mouth. He binds her and sexually assaults her. And then either during or after the molestation, this six-year-old child, this little girl, is strangled. He rummages through the basement and he finds the art supplies that are closest thing to hand. He strangles Jean Benet. Like, why he didn't use his bare hands to do it, I, I don't know. Maybe this was a thing. But Jean Benet gets so scared that she wets herself. When the manual strangulation isn't finishing her off, when the girl isn't quite doing the job he wanted it to, he finishes the job by smacking her in the head. After killing the child, he writes a note. 
Not because he wants the money, but because he wants to either buy time or throw suspicion on the Ramses, hence the specific amounts and the weird language. And he leaves the house. So that is the intruder did it theory. So the Ramses um, have been cleared of. And 25 years later, it is... The case is still cold. It's unsolved. But the immediate Ramsey family members, Patsy, John and Burke, they have been, you know, exonerated. They're not suspects from a legal standpoint anyway. And again, we have this new sort of update on forensics, which means we could possibly be able to track down who the murderer was if he has if he does have relatives out there because it's a mixed dna sample because it is mixed in with her blood but it is also under her fingernails and they could check the knots of the cord which i'm sure would have more sort of touch dna on it and i really hope they do i really think this poor fucking child gets some fucking justice because Everyone sees this little beauty queen, this idol, this imagery. And all I see is a six-year-old girl who never got to ride the bike she got for Christmas. <clears throat> and if nothing else, I think Jean Bonnet deserves. She deserves answers and not just to be a subreddit tantalising trivia and for people to practice their slithing skills. Jean Bonnet deserves justice. And I really fucking hope she gets it. So that's the story of Jean Bonnet Ramsey. <sighs> And um, so that was really fucking heavy and heartbreaking. But I would very much appreciate it if you would rate and review five stars. Um, you can do it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If um, And I think we're going to like decompress a wee bit. I think it's probably a good idea. We'll decompress. And the recommendations this week, I think we should go for something a bit more lighthearted. So I'm going to recommend for reading Dear Girls by Ali Wong. Uh, because I love her as a comedian, she's so funny. And so, yeah, read that and try not to cry. Because that's not going to make you cry. Probably. For listening. Let's listen to some funny stuff. You know what? Um, I am going to recommend The Dollop. It is a comedy history podcast. Um, generally, It's generally based in the US. The two fellas that are on it, uh, Dave, Dave... And Gar Gareth? Garth? Gareth Reynolds. Dave something and Gareth Reynolds. They're really they're good. I assure you, they're funny. I promise you. It's really funny. Anyway, I was trying to think of like feel-good movies or like funny TV shows, but honestly, just watch Hawkeye. I thought the it's upsetting in places, but like the scenes between Yelena and Kate give me life they are so funny they're so well done they're perfect they're on tone they work so well with the characters it's absolutely perfect so now that i've given you the recommendations and because i am emotionally exhausted i am going to bid you farewell but before i do don't forget you can follow me on all the social medias i am on instagram tiktok and twitter uh, who did what now pod on instagram and tiktok and then who did what now pd on twitter because i didn't have enough characters so i would love to see you all there if you want to support me you can you can go on to patreon.com and become a patron and get some stuff there's an exclusive episode coming this week once I finish editing it and actually put it up and stop being so lazy. If you want to do a one-time donation, you can always send it to paypal.com forward slash 
Who did what no pod? Anyway, that is me, I am, and I am going to say farewell to you all. Adios, au revoir, au revoir to Zen, my friends. Bye-bye. Hello everyone, Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.